mutagens and carcinogens. Um, and actually, we talked about carcinogens in the previous module, so um, that's the majority of this module is mutagens. Um, and mutagens, uh, I just think of mutation agent. That's literally what they are. They're any chemical or physical substance or event that causes genetic mutation. So any, any substance, chemical, physical, whatever, and any event that causes genetic mutations. In other words, if it causes a genetic mutation, it's a mutagen. It's an intentionally blanket term. Um, so, for example, poisons can be uh, uh, mutagens, they're chemical substances, and then UV light can be uh, mutagens in that they're events, right? The event of UV light exposure. Uh, mutagens are classified according to two categories, endogenous and exogenous mutagens. Uh, I want to make it clear, though, that these terms, endogenous and exogenous, are not are very nonspecific. They're not specific to mutagens. Uh, they're actually used in many scientific uh, disciplines and all that. Uh, and they just mean originating inside the organism for endogenous and then uh, originating from the external environment for exogenous. Um, so we apply this to mutagens and we say endogenous mutagens, I'll, I'll begin with. Um, number one is ROSs, reactive oxygen species. I've actually already told you about this uh, in a previous module. Actually, in the, the DNA Repair 2 module, I talked about how it damages DNA. Um, and I'll just redefine it again, but I won't really spend too much time on it. ROSs are naturally occurring metabolites produced by the mitochondria during oxidative phosphorylation. All that made sense, except, you know, you might not be familiar with the term metabolite. Remember, that's just a fancy word uh, for any substance that is formed during or is necessary for metabolism. In all honesty, that's not the best definition. Um, really, I kind of, um, I forgot which teacher shared it on Khan Academy, but basically metabolites are kind of products of the met metabolic pathway processes. Uh, that's an easy way to think of it. Um, <clears throat> so yes, we actually talked about ROSs, the two examples, uh, the superoxide anion O2 minus, uh, and then hydrogen peroxide H2O2, or really just the, the ROOR functional group. Um, ROSs are highly reactive with, with cell components, especially DNA. Remember, DNA is charged, uh, so they react with DNA and that causes damage, uh, and specifically two types of damage. Number one is double strand breaks, which literally is slicing the double helix into two pieces. Okay, it's so like taking it and cutting it in half. You know, if if you're if the helix is like a vert, uh, vertical column, you're cutting it vertically. Um, that's double strand breaks. That's a pretty pretty easy way to remember. The title says everything. And number two is base modifications, which also kind of tells you what's going on. Bases are swapped out or cha or changed. Uh, so recall that ROSs have some cellular benefit. The body doesn't just randomly produce poison for itself. I mean, obviously that, you know, if respiration produced, you know, purely poisonous metabolites, that would not be a very efficient process. So there's actually some purpose to these ROSs. Um, specifically, uh, they're actually safe, you know, provided their concentrations are regulated. At high concentrations, that's where they become dangerous. Um, and this is referred to as oxidative stress. Oxidative stress occurs at high ROS concentration. Uh, and more specifically, it's the imbalance of free radicals and antioxidants in the body. If you remember from that module where we actually introduced ROSs, uh, the DNA Repair 2 module for your reference, um, I talked about how the body deals with ROSs uh, by uh, using, through the use of antioxidants, antioxidants. Um, and that kind of makes sense, right? Antioxidant and reactive oxygen species. So they kind of go hand in hand. And when balanced, everything is cool, um, but you your body reaches oxidative stress when that ROS concentration hits the ceiling. Um, and that's, that's when it becomes very dangerous. Uh, these antioxidants ensure that ROSs don't damage the DNA. Uh, specifically, they scavenge for ROSs and reduce oxidation of cellular molecules. 
So those were the endogenous mutagens, really just ROSs, uh, so pretty easy to remember. Um, now I'm going to move to exogenous mutagens. Uh, the first one is intercalators. Intercalators. Uh, and I've never heard that word before, and so it was already kind of uh, daunting. But let me just define the term intercalation. You know, Forget about biology for a second. Intercalation, by definition, is the insertion of molecules between DNA bases. Okay, so you know, think of think of your DNA strand. Okay, and imagine the rungs, those bases, and now imagine sticking stuff between them. That's what intercalation is. So now, now that I've kind of defined it, it actually becomes a lot easier, right? Intercalators are exogenous mutation uh, mutagens. Um, when intercalation occurs, the DNA strand is deformed, right? I want you to think of you have a ladder and you try to fit like a giant rock or like a giant cardboard box in between the rungs. Right? And it doesn't fit. You have to like push the rungs away from each other and kind of deform the ladder to fit it. And that's exact like word for word what is going on with intercalators. Uh, they insert their very large, bulky molecules that insert themselves uh, between two strands of DNA. And the example I have listed here in Khan Academy is ETBR, ethidium bromide. Um, and actually, if you remember from this actually has some significance in organic chemistry. Um, yeah, in part due to its large, bulky structure. I'm not going to get into it because I want to stay focused. But you know, just remember again, it's it's bulky molecules inserting themselves between the DNA, and it doesn't. Of course, bulky is a regular, uh, relative term, uh, but just inserting itself or intercalating um, between the DNA bases. Uh, so that's intercalators. Number two on the exogenous mutagens is base analogs. Okay. Uh, so for example, um, say you have five five bromouracil or five Bu. Uh, this pretends to be a certain base, but acts differently than that base normally would. So uh, 5BU is an analog of uracil in, in that it is structurally similar. Okay, uh, But when it is incorporated into DNA, it shifts between two forms, its keto form and its enol form. And we're going to actually talk about a lot about keto and enol and tautomerization, all that in the carbohydrates module, so I won't waste your time. Um, but basically, the idea is 5BU is seems to be a good substitute for uracil, right? It's the same structure, everything's cool. But then when it actually gets into the DNA, it switches up to these keto and enol forms. And this matters because in its keto form, it pairs with adenine. Okay, that's fine. But in its enol form, it pairs with guanine. Okay, and so this is kind of really problematic because it's it's shifty. It's not it doesn't pair to the same uh, base every single time. Remember that ketones and enols can be interconverted via tautomerization reaction, and this is kind of what's going on: is that the five Bu, you know, the tautomerization reaction occurs, and that shifts it between these two forms. But basically, it uh, you know, in its keto form, it's acting as uracil, and then in its enol form, it's acting as cytosine. So this is a really interesting. Um, exogenous mutagen because it's not actually an error. It's not technically the wrong base, right? Say you needed a uracil, then the 5BU in its keto form is fine. There's no error. But when it shifts to an enol form, it acts not as a uracil, instead it acts as a cytosine, and that's where the problem arises because uracil pairs with A and cytosine pairs with G. Um, so those are base analogs, 5BU, 5-bromouracil. It pretends to be uracil, basically. Number three is carcinogens, and these can be mutagens, but not always. These are, in, in very simply, they are cancer-causing. Okay, they lead to cancer. 
Some work by inducing cancer-causing mutations, uh, and that would be a mutagen. Others increase the rate at which a cell divides. In other words, it doesn't need to affect DNA to cause cancer. It just uh, you know causes division to go crazy. So the takeaway is that carcinogens cause cancer directly by altering DNA via mutations, the first thing I said, or indirectly, they increase the rate of division to uncontrollable levels. An example of these carcinogens are UV radiation, tobacco, and asbestos. Um, and so you kind of get the, the main idea that it can work kind of both ways. Carcinogen uh, can be immutogens, but they don't have to be. They don't necessarily need to be mutagenic.